0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Okay, so we'll get them married, and we'll give the treasure to both of them. <laughs> so Alexander the Great's looking at this, and the king says, did I judge right? He says, boy, he says, never seen this before. In our country, we would have killed them both, and take, the king would take the treasure. <laughs> so it's a, it's a beautiful parable, but it shows... That a person has whatever they need. We have. We don't really realize it. Hashem gives a person whatever they need. We have whatever we need already. We just want more. That's all. <laughs> always want more. And that's part of human nature. We always want. And the rabbis tell us we have to try and take that trait of wanting physicality and, and turn it into wanting spirituality always want. Wanting is good. But it depends what you want. So a person wants physicality, materialism. There's no end to materialism. You can get materialism till your walls are made of gold. Right, you go to Trump Towers. I'm, I, that's what they say. The walls are gold, whatever. But uh, where's it going to get you? How much, how much can you take with you? You can't take with us. So the answer is take that trait of wanting and yearning and desiring and transform it into a trait of wanting and desiring closeness to God. That's the higher level. That's the spiritual level. So take that trait of wanting. So a person's gonna try and figure out that I have what I need. I have what I need, and that's what the priki Abbott tells us. Ezekuashirko. Who is rich? A person is happy with what they have. So a person's gonna say, you know what, I'm happy what I have. I'm happy with my body, I'm happy with my with my house, I'm happy with my car. Whatever it is, a person's gonna try and find happiness in what they have. Because the truth is if we can't find happiness in what we have, even if I have now what I what I think I want, I'm not gonna be happy. Either. Because that trait of being happy is coming from a person's being satisfied. Satisfaction. It's so hard to find satisfaction today. Most people today are not satisfied, and it's a mitzvah in the Torah to be satisfied. Where does the Torah tell us to be satisfied? <laughs> and you will eat and be satisfied and blessed. We don't really think about this mitzvah being satisfied. It says to eat and be satisfied and blessed. Which means that a person cannot make a bracha unless they're satisfied. Because it says you will eat and be satisfied and blessed. Suppose you're not satisfied. Do I bless? Yes. No. No. Okay. From the Torah, there's no mitzvah. It not. says you will eat and be satisfied. The rabbi said to bless whether you're satisfied or <coughs> not. It's a rabbinical law to bless even if you're not satisfied. So let me ask you a question. Now, a person says, you know, I had a big meal, but I want more. I'm not satisfied. Does he have to make a bracha or not? And uh, it's a beautiful idea. The Ramam told us. The Rambam said a person should never eat till they're satisfied. <laughs> you should never eat till they're satisfied. Why? It's bad for your uh, girth. Whoever saw the movie this uh, Wednesday, see Rambam is talking about health. health. And many people came to him. and said, I have headaches and I have this. He says, all because you don't exercise, you don't eat too much. But I live to eat. Well, you have to change your lifestyle, Ramam says. A very, very interesting movie. We missed yeah. it, for those who missed it. Anyway, so... The idea, Rabban says, is never to eat to satisfaction. A person should eat and leave a quarter of their plate empty. Which means a person should take and then put back a quarter. How much do I want? I want this, put back a quarter. That's how Rabban says, a person should live like that. So then when are you making a bracha? When are you going to be satisfied? And the answer is there's two different things. Need and want. You don't need to eat so much. Raman says, you don't need to eat so much. The satisfaction of the Torah is not talking about the satisfaction of the mind. It's talking about the satisfaction of what you really need. There's two kinds of satisfaction over here. So we have to really realize that sometimes we, ha- we take too much, but the main thing is to be satisfied f- even a little. You know, that's the brach of the man. The manner was they collected a little omer of, of man. Each, every family got a commission, a little barrel of man. And some people were very satisfied with that manna. And it lasted them. And it says they never had to go to the bathroom. Imagine. The, the, the man would just be absorbed in their bodies. They never had a problem. Imagine. They live it like angels, basically. It was angel food. You eat it, and that's it. It's, it's totally absorbed into the body, everything, all the vitamins, everything. It's all yeah. like all they give to the astronauts in space. They have this tube of food. I don't know how they live on that stuff. It um, has no taste, no flavor, just vitamins and minerals and all, whatever they need, and that's it. It's absorbed in the bodies, pretty much. So it's amazing. So that's what I need. A person's going to think, you know, I'm living... To the, what I need, do I need it or not need it it's very hard to live like that, it's very very hard for a human being to live like that because we have desires, we want this, we want this and we see what other people have and we, we're, we're, we're jealous and that's the tenth commandment, right, not to covet we have to try and live and look within ourselves say I don't need so much I want the spiritual world, I don't want the physical world and I was difference between Jacob, Yaakov, Avinu, and uh, Esau, Esau wanted the physical world and Yaakov says don't worry you can have the physical world I want the spiritual world but he didn't realize that whoever gets the spiritual world gets blessed physically as well. And that's when the brachot, person wants spirituality, the side benefit of spirituality is also physical blessing. That's amazing. You see, all the forefathers were, were tremendously wealthy. Why? They wanted the spiritual world. Hashem says, you want the spiritual world? I'll give you a blessing. I'll give you an extra blessing. I'll give you a bonus. The bonus is the physical world as well. That's, the, that's the amazing. Anyway, so let's just read this, this uh, chapter. I think we discussed it last week a little bit. We'll do it again. And that is... A person's always going to say, "I have what I need. I have what I need. I have already. Hashem already gave me." And If you look at the difference between between Yaakov and Esav, where Yaakov sees his brother and he gives him all the gifts, and the brother says, "Yeshli ravachi, Yila <laughs> I have a lot already. Ya- Esav says, "I have a lot, my brother. Keep what's yours. Keep." <clears throat> and what does Yaakov reply to him? Yeshli kol, I have everything. There's a difference between having a lot and having everything. Esav's idea was I have a lot. Okay, but a lot means I can always have more. But Yaakov says I have everything. Take it. Keep it, Esav You can have it. Because I have everything. And that's a person's gotta have that at the back of his mind that I have everything. A person's gotta think I have everything even though you don't have much. Even though it's not much. I mean we see today that money is not a factor of happiness, unfortunately. It was so easy all the millionaires to be very well very, very happy. They're not happy. And the other things in life that makes a person happy. So, person, we got to know happiness is in the mind. We have to decide to be happy. No one can make you happy. You can have all the money in the world. Happiness is a free will decision. A person going to make it in their heads. Am I happy or not? I'm going to decide to be happy. Whatever my troubles in life, Baruch Hashem, thank God. We don't really realize what the other person's problems are. We have to always think, you know, I'm happy what I have, thank God, a million times. And that's the secret of success. The secret of happiness is to be happy what you have. So, this is a true story. He says, a student who had not seen his teacher for many, many years went to seek advice. The student was very financially successful. I was grateful for his teacher who taught him in his past. He says, my dear teacher, he says, my business is giving, going well. I would like to repay all the things you did for me. Please take this check as a token of my gratitude. So, the teacher says, I see you. Sincerely, want to give me a large amount of money, but truly, I don't need it. I have whatever I need. I've never seen a person turn down money. Look at this. It's amazing. Right? I have whatever I need. I don't need it. I'm not going to take it. I don't need it. But look at the few amenities you have in your house. All your furniture is old. Your, your, your gadgets are old. You don't have all the gadgets. He said, please, he says, I don't need it. I have exactly what I need <laughs> to fulfill my mission in life. I would be very pleased if you gave it to money to a young couple... About to get married, who need to set up a home, but I lack nothing, and that's what a person's mentality should be. Thank God, we're so, we're, we really are, so fortunate that if uh, thinking make a Leah, we're gonna do with all your stuff. I don't know, <laughs> do all your stuff. There's not gonna room in the apartment. We're gonna do, but it's so not human nature. It's so not human nature, and that's the that's our work. That's our work in this world. Our work in this world is to get to this level. And the truth is, one day we're gonna reach this level, whether you like it or not. I've seen people, unfortunately, the richest people go now to move into a nursing home. And they have one closet over there. They allow three suitcases. The guy the biggest house in the world and multi-millionaire. has all these clothes and everything. And now he goes into the building room. He gets a private room. He gets a private room. He gets a private apartment. How much money? How much stuff can you fit in that apartment? Smaller than the apartments in Israel. It's one bedroom. It's tiny. You can't do it. It's a big drawdown. Eventually, a person gets used to even less and less and less. Till you can't take anything with you. This, this world... The famous parable, right, about the fox going into the vineyard. Everyone knows the story, right? The fox, there was a vineyard, and the fox wanted to go into the vineyard. The fox, this is brought down by the Gemara. The fox wants to go into the vineyard, and there's a little gap in the fence. The fox says, you know what, I've got to go on a diet. I'm going to go on a diet, so I can go into the vineyard and get the, the grapes. So he goes on a diet, and he goes into the vineyard, and he eats as much. Oh, he's, having, he's enjoying life. Wow, all these, all these grapes. Fantastic. But after two weeks of eating grapes, he gets sick of the grapes. He wants to change his diet, and he wants to go back out. He can't fit. He can't get out again. No. He has to go on a diet again to go out. So he goes on a diet, and he comes out of the vineyard. He goes. Comes. In, he goes in the same size as he came out. He says, "Vineyard, vineyard." He says, "You're beautiful," but I couldn't take anything out of here You can't take anything. He says, "This world is like that vineyard." We come into this world with nothing and we leave this world with nothing. That's it. All we do now is all the mitzvot, all the good things we do in this world, that's all we can take with us. All the good things we do. That's all. That's it. Everything else is tinsel. Everything else is, uh, as rabbis say, is an image. We think. We think it will be good for us. We think this will get rid of us. But the truth is we can't take it with us. It's not, it's not everlasting. There's only one thing which is everlasting is the good deeds we do. And that's everlasting. The Torah we learn is everlasting. Everything else is temporary, and it's there for a mission. Everything God gives us is for a mission. We mustn't forget. Everything we have is for a mission. So what is our mission? So you have a house, you're raising a family. That's your mission. Raise a family. That's your mission. Your mission is to pass it down to other people. Teach other people. So let's give another, uh, he brings another parable over here. We're on page 44, and we're talking about sour grapes. Okay, very, very interesting sour grapes. Sour grapes. And we're going back to the fox who loves the grapes. Okay, a lot of the fox loves the grapes. One day he sees a bunch of ripe grapes hanging from the vine. they beautiful ripe grapes hanging from the vine. He jumps into the air to reach them. But he cannot jump high enough. The grapes are too high. He jumps ten times, tries to reach them, reach them. Can't miss them. So he realized that's not going to be his lunch today. So what does the fox do? He turns around, a smart fox, and this fox says, you know what? They're probably sour anyway. he's trying to pacify himself so listen, I couldn't reach them, it must be sour anyway so it's just, well I couldn't reach them it's sour anyway so that's called the sour grape syndrome if a person cannot have something, they assume they have to think in their head it's not good good for me, that's why I couldn't reach it but for those who want to live a happy life, this parable has a lot to offer, right, if I can't get to the grapes it must be it's not good for me, so maybe they're not as good as they look so now he says I'm going to rewrite this story, I'm going to update the story Let's give some alternatives to the outcome. So just the thinking that the the grapes are not sweet, maybe, you know. The fox said the grapes were sour, but really he believed they tasted good. He's just telling himself to pacify himself, but he knows. He wants to hide this from himself and others. So he just said they were sour. Okay, let's go to the next part of the story. A tall bear comes along later that day, and he tried the grapes and really spit them out because they really were sour. So now, now a person's going to think in their mind, right? I'm just pacifying myself and saying maybe the grapes are sour. Maybe that's why I couldn't reach it. But the uh, truth is maybe it really happened. and The, mm-hmm. the bear did come and the, the grapes were really sour. Okay. Number two. Number two alternative. Let's give alternatives. Another fox came along. And when he saw he could not reach them, he piled the rocks one above the other until he got to the top of the rock and he jumped and he fell down and he hurt himself. So not only did he not get the grapes, he also injured himself at the same time. That's what happens sometimes. Sometimes you want to try and get to a certain place. And instead of getting there, a person injures themselves. But Terrible. Uh, number three. A bear came along. This is a third alternative. It's the end of the story. The bear came along, and they were the best grapes he ever ate. But he had so many, he got sick from the grapes. And that's also a danger in life. A person has so much of what they have, it makes them sick. And that's uh, very awesome, good alternative. Another alternative. A few moments after the fox left the scene, some fox hunters came along. <laughs> Since when do foxes like grapes? Second, this is a story. Let's not get carried away. It's a parable. It's a parable. Okay, it's a parable. Uh, we don't want to say people like uh, different things, so we don't say foxes like grapes. Okay. But the parable is that there's certain things in life we desire... And sometimes we can't get them. So now, how do you talk to yourself internally? What's the internal conversation? So you can say, you know what, the reason why I didn't get them, Hashem, to give it to me because it, they're sour, they're not good for me. They're not good for me. Or you can say that, that they were good for me. But you know what? If I, maybe I've eat, eat too much of them, and I could damage myself. Maybe It would be good for me in the short term, but the long term might be not good for me. And we see many cases that material success goes to people's heads and ruin not just them, but their families and their children so in the long term, the short term may be very good but in the long term may be very bad we don't know what's going on, we have no, no concept so, okay, the grapes are really good our friend the fox found another vine that he could reach and enjoy himself and the, the grapes he found next so sometimes Hashem closes the door to us and he opens another door so because I can't get the grapes here I can't get this satisfaction over here maybe I'll find it somewhere else and Hashem will open the door somewhere else and the grapes will be even sweeter or a person can say, and the fox says I can't reach the grapes, I accept God's will. I accept my Creator's will. That's really that's the highest level, right? I can't reach the grapes, I accept Hashem's will, is not what Hashem wants for me. And that's what a person's got to do in life. That's really the highest level, and that's what's missing from this parable. So there's a rewrite of the parable which really adds this and gives so much to a person's life. So a person accepts the Creator's will, I can't reach this level, I accept Hashem's will. And this is the opening to the door of spiritual enlightenment. Let's open the door to spirituality. In the future, he was grateful to Hashem for the grapes he did not eat. And accepted with serenity everything that did not work out the way he preferred. So in life, not everything works out the way we prefer. And we just have to come to the conclusion everything is in God's hands. So otherwise, we'll we'll beat ourselves every day. Beats themselves. How come this happened, this happened, this happened? Listen, why beat yourself? You got to accept one day your person's going to come along and say, "Listen, I tried my best. Maybe, if even if I didn't try, I do teshuva. Maybe, you know, Hashem, what can I do? I didn't try so hard, and this is what happened. And, and I accept Your will now. Accept Your will. That's it. So a person's going to accept it, God's will and move on with serenity. Not everything works out the way we want. So the moral of the story is: if your original plan does not work, enjoy the plan that does work. So not everything we do works, and the original plan may not work, but maybe the alternative plan is even better sometimes, right? Mm. So I said, you know, I, I tried, I wa- wanted to marry this girl, and she didn't say, she said, oh. no, and then I married this girl. So said, well, maybe the second plan is better. I don't know. Um, this didn't work out over here, but this will work out over here. This job didn't work out over here. Maybe the job over there is better for me. Maybe it's more suited to me. I don't know. It, it, listen, we have to put things in the best possible perspective, we can. When we talked about last week, reframing. Suppose we've got to reframe in the mind. Maybe this doesn't work out. This works I Maybe this is what God wants. What is God's plan? So the answer is, we can only see God's plan when things are happening. If things didn't happen, that wasn't God's plan, obviously. So what's happening must be God's plan. What does God want from me? I don't know. So we've got to make the best. That's what God wants. Hashem wants to see our reactions. Hashem wants to see how we handle situations. So the original plan might not have been as enjoyable as you thought. It might have caused problems you did not anticipate. And you could actually do better in the long run with a new plan. So this new plan may be better in the long run. We don't know. We look at the short term, and we don't look at the long term. uh, So as a person obtains acceptance of the Creator's will, a person will live a a long, joyous life. And just accepting life as it goes on. Sometimes things are out beyond our control. We can't do it. We have to just accept it and move on. Okay, so that's a very, very important idea. The idea of number one is even though things don't work out the way you want them to do, it doesn't mean it's bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have this concept of gum, Zulatova. Well, life is plan B. Very good. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Not always. Some people have plan A. Right. Some people get plan A, but who says that's good for them? Excellent. No one knows. No one knows what's good for a person. You have all these trust fund kids committing suicide on, and uh, overdoses on drugs. And they have everything they have everything ever need. Right. And it's too easy. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, when, it's too, when life is too easy, people don't grow. That's another problem. And that's why Hashem gives Abraham Aveden 10 trials. Yeah, life is not too easy for Abraham Aveden. I'll give you 10 trials. One after the other, you've got you to gotta jump through the hoops. And so like, if you ever learn to do the high jump in school in London, we have to learn high jumps. So every time you jump, they, make, they raise the bar a little bit more. You make it too hard for me. No, I want you to grow. I want you to develop. I want you to get higher. So that's what Hashem does spiritually as well. And when things are easy, it's interesting how people collapse at the smallest the smallest obstruction, people collapse, and that's what's happening in America today. People just don't have that grit, just keep on going. Why? Because we're not used to adversity. A person's got to be used to adversity in life, and the adversity makes a person tougher. Right? You come from America, Russia, you come here with nothing, with no job, no. How, it's amazing how how do people how would people do it? You see, Jews through the ages. I was just talking down to uh, this Jew. He came from Egypt. He says we have to leave all our businesses behind, our homes behind. We came here with barely a suitcase of clothes. <coughs> how do they do it? How do they cope? And the answer is, well, you've got to cope with diversity. You have to have emunah and bitachon You have to have trust in God and move on. It's it's very, very hard. So that's plan B, basically. Plan B. But plan B sometimes becomes plan A. And the opportunities uh, a person might grow over here. It's amazing how Jews, amazing what, what they can do. And that brings us to number 47. Page 47, which is the ultimate happiness formula. How does a person become happy? And the answer is... We have to have trust in God. That's what makes us it happy. You know, it's American because on every dollar bill it says, in God we trust. And now, I don't know how people think oh. about it. I don't know how people think, think about it. In God we trust, in God we trust, in God we trust. And, you know, there's going to be a court case one day, they're going to remove it from the dollar bill because it's too religious, but it hasn't happened yet. So in God we trust and we take it into the bathroom and we put it in our back. Oh, God. No, let's not talk about it. But <laughs> I don't know if you're allowed to take the dollar bill into the bathroom, right? Are you allowed to? Okay. You're we'll the ah, Exactly. Okay, good. <laughs> Obviously, everyone does. Okay, but uh, you shouldn't really flaunt it and think about it and look at it on, in, the, in the bathroom. Put it in your pocket. Leave it in your pocket. So the ultimate happiness formula is trust in God. Why? Let's think about it. All of us have the greatest resource at our fingertips. Literally. It's not even our fingertips. It's just in our mind. Imagine. The greatest resource. Who is the boss of the whole universe? Who is the boss of the universe? Hashem. Right there. there's only one, that's it so a person says, you know what, I have access imagine, you can call the President of the United States anytime you want and say, he'll do you a favor you're his son, he'll do you a favor right, if you call Hashem and you're his son, you're his daughter imagine, you call your father in heaven and say dad, help me says Rabbi Kiva when he prayed, he'd pray our father in heaven his prayers were answered straight away our father in heaven he called Hashem our father. Our Viru our, our father, our king. He calls Hashem our father. You've got to really, really think about it. If Hashem is our father Father, and he's the boss. Hashem is the, is the creator. He's the boss. He's the, he's the ruler. He's, he can do whatever he wants. He has everything in his fingertips. Everything. So can you imagine? A person says, you know what? I've got the richest father in heaven. My father in heaven is, you know. So <laughs> it's very, very important to teach it to other people. And there's nothing that God cannot do. There's just nothing God can do. So it's, everything is possible. We must never give up. I was talking about uh, this week's parashah. It's amazing because you see that after, after it was, how many years of servitude was there in Egypt? Who can tell me? How many years of servitude was in Egypt? <laughs> so Rabbi say it was 86 years from the birth of Miriam. That's when the troubles really started. The birth of Miriam, the troubles really started. 86 years. For 210 years, the Jews were in Egypt. 210 years, we were in Egypt. And slowly, you know Yosef was the king for many years, till he was one hundred and ten. No, nothing was problem no problems, everything was good when he died, there was still respect for the Jews because the other brothers were still alive. Once all the tribes died, then things started getting nasty, and all the Jews were increasing, multiplying there was jealousy. And then 86 years of troubles and servitude and, and, and persecution. 86 years. And the Jews were crying and pleading and praying. But 86 imagine eighty-six years until finally in the burning bush Hashem says, I've heard the cries of B'nai Yisrael. 86 years later Hashem, he heard the cries of B'nai Yisrael. What's going on over here? And the answer is an amazing idea. This, the concept in Jewish law of a critical mass of prayers. You can pray and pray and pray and pray. But it adds up. Puzzles shouldn't give up the stuff. Because those prayers keep adding up, adding up, adding up until one day they will burst through. Those prayers will break through all the barriers. We don't view it like that, right? We think the prayer is going to go straight up. No, there's barriers in the way. Everything's in the way. Those prayers are being caught and barriers. There's barriers over there. But one day the weighted prayers will just force through like a, like a battering ram. It just burst through. And that's what happened 86 years later. Can you imagine. And the burning bush Hashem says, that's it. I heard the prayers of B'nai Israel. The prayers finally reached the, their destination and they just broke through. I've heard the cries of B'nai Israel. The time of redemption has come. And that's what's going to happen. Listen why 2,000 years of 2000 years used to to we pray. We want Mashiach. We want, Mashiach, we want Mashiach, Mashiach. It's just a matter of time where the, 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 the weight of those prayers is just going to smash through. That's all. And then it's going to happen. But that's what a person's going to believe. That Hashem has the power and Hashem has the capability. Listen, if you believe that Hashem is the ruler of the world, how can you be unhappy? Because I have access to the ruler of the world. Person's gonna teach their children. I tell my kids, I said, Don't worry, my, my father is very rich. He said, But daddy, your, your father passed away. He says, Yeah, but my real father is very rich. <laughs> <laughs> he can do whatever he wants. It's true. He can if he wants to give, he gives. And, and he gives from amazing. It's amazing. Hashem's power is amazing. One day a person is down in the dumps, the next day Hashem, ha-shem can. The, the salvation of God is like a blink of an eye. If you see what happened in Egypt, like a blink of an eye, you can imagine. So the question is, why did God have to put us in Egypt in the first place? Why did He have to want- Why did He have to put us in Egypt in the first place? Oh. Don't put us in Egypt! You don't have to do all these miracles, all these wonders, the temple plagues, and bring us out with all the wonders. Why put us through this? And the answer is, He wants to teach us how great He is. If we weren't in Egypt, we wouldn't know how great God is. Imagine. If we wouldn't see all the persecution and the depression and say, well, how are we going to get saved? And we see how Hashem saves us, now we can realize the power of God. We have to really realize it was a lesson for the whole world. The power of God was a lesson for the whole world. The trouble is it was many years ago, and people forget. So sometimes it's good to see the movie and see the power of God. <laughs> you see the wonders and the miracles of what happened when they came out of Egypt. It says the future redemption will be even greater. There's Rabbi Hashem. Hopefully, we'll see it. See, so the ultimate happiness formula is trust in God. That's, what, that's the, really the key. Because how else can a person be happy when they're not happy? You know, it's amazing. You read the story of uh, Sharansky. You're going to read the story of Sharansky or one of these prisoners of Zion. What's the other one? I don't know. They were in they were the KGB. They were in, in the jail in Siberia. Can you imagine? In Siberia, they're trying to break them. So, Sharansky has a... I can't remember what it was. He Oh, he made a Hanukkiah for Hanukkah. It's a true story. He made a Hanukkah and he tried to get some wax and he tried to make it for it to light Hanukkah the, in the jail in, in, in Siberia and the commandant and they, they confiscate his Hanukkah and he goes to the commandant and, the, and he tells the commandant he says I'm going on hunger strike I'm going to go on hunger strike to give back money <laughs> so, this is a true? true story so the commandant takes it out of his drawer and gives it to him he says I don't tell anyone I gave it to you and, and you do it in private I don't want anyone to know about this hmm. Imagine he stared down the the might of the. Wow. He stared them down and he beat them. Amazing, just just. But how? How do you get the strength? And the answer is he trusted in Hashem. There's nothing else. Yeah, he's, uh, the right there. <sighs> well, He's not right hand. He's not right hand, but he's in the. He's head of the Sochnut. He's head of the Jewish Agency. So the ultimate happiness formula is trust in God. This trust can transform a person's life. Listen, you. Person's alone in the hospital. What well, do you do? Know, There's no one there. You do. Know. You trust in God. There's no one. Your only friend is. There's only one friend. There's only one thing a person has wherever they go. That's why we have to realize that. When your when your relatives are not there, your friends are not there, your people are not there, what well, do you do? And the answer is, trust in God. Hashem is there. Hashem is there. Is there. Hashem <laughs> is there. Hashem is everywhere. Really, honestly, it's very, very important. And it can transform a person's life. It adds a spiritual dimension. Imagine a person walking around with God. It adds a spiritual dimension. It's a totally different experience. Different way of living. Sincere trust in God makes a person wealthy. That's, that's the amazing concept. A person really trusts in God. Then you have access. It's like having a, a card in your pocket. Anytime you want something, listen, you had rabbis, who were great rabbis, and they, they walked around the street. Hashem would do whatever they wanted. Hanina Bendoza. Hanina Bendosa. All he had to do is ask and he got on the spot. So his wife says, but why are you so poor? Hanina, why are we poor? Everyone comes to you and you pray for them and they answered, but why are you poor? He said, what do you want? He says, we want some, give me some gold. <laughs> get some gold. So he prays and prays and prays. And a gold leg of a table appears on their bed that morning. Imagine, a solid gold leg of a table appears on their bed. She says, Hanina, where did this come from? He said, it came from our table. In the world to come, we're going to have a table. It came from our table. Yeah. You want us to reward it for the next world? We'll get it over here, sir so she thinks about it imagine this is a strange story a very strange story she thinks about it for a few hours and she says Hanina send it back I said what? she said you pray you want me to pray to get wealthy in this world so you pray to God the money what do you want now what do you want send it back? she said yeah but our table in the next world is going to be missing a, ta- a leg <laughs> it's a leg from a table that means our table is going to be missing a leg she said not so fast she said let's go and ask Rabbi Yudanasi Rabbi Yudanasi was the, was the leader of the generation he was the editor of the Mishnah, the great Rabbi Judah the Prince. And so he asks him, and Rabbi Judah the Prince says, keep it, and whatever is missing from your table, I'll give you. from my table. Yeah. You're missing a your leg, I'll give you a leg, don't worry. So he tells his wife, and the wife says, no, you send it back right now. <laughs> Straight story. So it says he had to pray much harder to send it back than to bring it. Hashem doesn't want to take, Hashem wants to give. So it says the middle of giving is much greater easier the middle of taking so interesting So, but he had to pacify his wife what can you do a man to do what a man's got to do you know? <laughs> so he had to pray for his wife to be happy he sat back the table but it just shows that we have to realize that sometimes a person doesn't have two tables it's always better to have a table in the next world because the next world is the real retirement Everyone's worried about the retirement this world I know but, it's very, but how long can a retirement be 40 years, 50 years maximum <laughs> so it's eternity it's, a, it's a eternity the person's going to know, I have access to God. And that is an amazing concept, I have access to God. Yeah, we're so lucky. We could just have to, I don't have to pick up a phone, nothing. You just talk to God anytime you want. We have access to God. A person can talk to Hashem in their mind all the time. That's the ideal. That's when a person is really connected. As Rambam says, "Where is God with you when you're talking to Him? That's when God is with you. When you ignore God, He ignores you. When you're talking to God, He's talking to you some people don't hear the conversation that's the trouble it's not a dialogue it's a monologue it's interesting the first prophecy that came to Moshe Rabbeinu was a prophecy of a dialogue you know, imagine, imagine for 80 years old he gets 79 actually he was 79 years old first prophecy is a dialogue it's very hard to get a dialogue with him <coughs> most people get a monologue of God which is God talking to the person You're like Shmuel Shmuel mm-hmm. gets gets a monologue Hashem talks to Shmuel Shmuel doesn't talk back Shmuel's a kid doesn't know how to answer but Moshe Rabbeinu is talking back to God for seven days Imagine the first prophecy was like an amazing prophecy, a dialogue. Why did Moshe Rabbein get the dialogue with God? And the answer was because Moshe Rabbein had that question all the time. God, he had this question in his head. God, don't you see the trouble the Jews are going through? Every day he's asking Hashem, don't you see, don't you see, until Hashem says, I see it Moshe, and you're going to be my messenger because you and me care the most in this world about the trouble of the Jewish people. Who does God send? The person who cares. You care the most. You're, You're the one who's concerned about it. So you're going to be my messenger. He says, I'm not me, my brother. I know you. You're more concerned than him. It's amazing because uh, he got a a dialogue. Because he had that question in his head all the time. What's happening? What's happening, Hashem? What's happening? Hashem says, now you know what's happening. I want to update you. Because you're the one who cares the most about this problem. You're going to be the messenger of mine. So it's interesting, just by talking to God in a person's mind, sometimes God says, you're the one I'm going to choose. Because you're the one who's concerned about this, and you're going to be the remedy of the situation. So if you were to have financial difficulties and a reliably wealthy, influential person tells you, trust in me, I will help you out, you'd feel calmer, right? If you were to have a legal problem, an experienced, brilliant, and trustworthy attorney would say, trust in me, I'll help you out, you'd feel much calmer, right? If you desperately need an airline ticket and the head of the airline tells you, trust me, you'll be all right, you'd feel calmer, right? If you think Hashem now controls the airline, shouldn't control I tell you, I'll tell you a true story. A true story, it happened to me. My father passed away. I was in Israel. This is a true story. And I had dreams for the last thirty days I was dreaming that I was doing kriya. Now I was learning the laws of uh, to be a rabbi. I have to learn the laws of mourning. So I was learning the laws of mourning. So maybe you know it's my subconscious. I'm learning the laws of mourning, but it was so lifelike, and so I get this phone call. My brother calls me. He says, "Come quickly, your father's sick." But I, I said, "I know." In my head, I knew he's dead. I knew. I knew he's dead. And my passport had expired. I had no ticket, barely any money, so <laughs> I go to the airport. And um, I go to the airport, I go to Al. I need a ticket to London, flights book. sorry, fully booked. Couldn't get a straight flight to London. There was no flight to London. So uh, at that time, Pan Am was still flying, so they, they said, listen, you can go to Paris and we'll get your ticket from Paris to London. It's very easy to get a ticket from Paris to London. So, okay, so I decided I'm going to go to Paris There's nothing else. I want to get to the funeral, I know there's a funeral, so... I go, and nicest, nicest woman, she said, but your passport expired, you've got to sign a waiver, and we are got to check with the Israeli police, see if you can leave the country, and sign the papers, whatever, and you've got to guarantee your flight back, because if they send you back without a passport, they'll send you back, and you have to pay your flight back, so they have to sign the paper, whatever, sign the papers, go, end up in Paris with, a, with an expired passport. I go through passport control of France, looks at passport, we go. I go and buy a ticket to London. I'm standing in the line, and the woman's telling the the guy in front of me, "There's no, there's no room on the flight. No room on the flight." So I'm standing behind her. I say, "What's going to happen?" I don't know. Hashem I'm standing over there, and then she looks at me, she smiles at me, and she says, "One more seat." She gives me a ticket. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. I got to London, and again, look at my looking at my, t- looking at my <laughs> it expired six months ago. <laughs> go through, go through. And I told my my cousin. My cousin says his passport was one day expired, and they. Held him up for, for six hours at the airport. So he said, I don't know how you got through it. It's a miracle. I said, it's a miracle because I did it. I did it for my father. And uh, you have to do it sometimes. So some, you have to know Hashem is the boss. If Hashem wants you to have a ticket, you'll get a ticket. If Hashem wants you to get there, you'll get there. If Hashem wants it to happen, it'll happen. That's all you have to put your hand. You have to trust in God. That's all you can do. So a person going to know. You know, it's I want to tell you a story. It's a, it's a story. Pe- people don't know Herzl. Herzl was not religious at all. But Herzl had... This idea, I want to do something for the Jewish people, which is amazing. You know, how many people have this idea? I want to do something for the Jewish people. I want to make a home for Israel. I want to make a home for the Jews. He didn't know where, but he wanted to make a home for the Jews because it's, it's bad all over the world. So they didn't know he's going to be in. Uh, he's going to be given a place in. Uh, where is it? In Uganda. Africa? Uganda. What? Uganda. Uganda, no. right? Uganda. Uganda. Right. I don't know. Whatever. He wanted a place for Israel, so he went to all the big empires, the big emperors. He went to the Kaiser, the Emperor of Germany, and he went to the Emperor of Austro Hungary, and he went to the Emperor of Turkey, and he went to And the Emperor of, of Germany said, Listen, if you want the state of Israel, five empires will have to fall. The British Empire will fall. Who said this? the Kaiser of Germany told him. He said, You uh-huh. wanna there's no way these empires will agree to this have to have this. Uh-huh. So you'll have to the, the German Empire will fall, Austro Hungary will empire will fall, the Turkish Empire will fall, the British Empire will fall, all the empires have to fall. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? All the empires fell. Now think of the chances of that happening. All the empires fell, and Israel got to stay. It's a state. It's Amazing. We don't really realize Hashem is pulling all the strings. Even now, till today, He's pulling the strings. <laughs> so we have to realize our most powerful tool. What is our most powerful tool? And the answer is our most powerful tool is having faith in God and praying. Prayer. Prayer is our most powerful tool. Because the prayer, just by praying, a person increases their trust in God. When you pray, you say there's only one address. There is only one address for me. There's only one thing that can change my life, and that's God. That's it. It's when you give up on everything else that some God takes over. So you give up on the doctors, you give up on the medicine, you give up on this, you give up on that. So Hashem is the only one who can cure this issue. Hashem will be the one. So even if it doesn't happen, but you feel better, and Hashem is in control, and increases one trust in God. So besides the formal prayers written in the siddur, pray from your heart in your own words. As you connect with Hashem, you will experience the benefits of tranquility and peace of mind. That's a very important idea. How does a person reach tranquility and peace of mind? The answer is by connecting to Hashem. It's very, very critical. So, so this is what someone says. I'm going to give you some alternatives over here. I used to think I could do it all alone. It took a major crisis to teach me I was powerless. That's, uh, people have to get to this point where they're powerless. It's unfortunate. Everyone thinks I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, till they can't do it, and then they say I'm powerless. And that's when they go to turn to Hashem and trust in Hashem to save my life. That's one, uh, one, uh, one person's uh, experience, another person's experience. I was always a top student. I was intelligent, creative, popular, successful. When I went into business, my business prospered. I was the kind of person, everyone, everything I touched turned to gold. I had an expensive home. We had many guests, receptions, fundraising, public lectures. My wealth and my home were part of my identity. Trying to expand my business, I took some risks. My business failed. I had to sell off my house, let's pay off my debts. I felt tremendous stress all the time. I could not sleep at night, I lost my appetite. Finally, I collapsed by walking along a busy street and I was hospitalized. I appreciate my friends who visited me and gave me encouragement. One visitor said something changed my life. He said, trust in God. You carry too much of the burden because you felt sure the one who did it all. you the one who did it all. Trust in God and let him carry your burden. And that's a, that's a very important thing. Let Hashem carry your burden for you. This, of course, was not new to me. But in intensive care, I had the biofeedback machinery to see immediately the calming effects of experiencing this trust. I felt calm for the first time in ages. I lost my business and my home but I gained peace of mind and a greater sense of spirituality. Eventually my health improved, my business flourished. I'm now the greatest partner possible. You know, that's the story of Lord and Taylor, right? You know, there's a little, there's a tailor. it's not a true story, it's a joke. But, but there's a Taylor came to America and said, Hashem, you be my partner and 50% of the profits will go to you. So he made And that became, that became Lord and Taylor. Okay, that's a joke, okay. But that's an interesting idea. But that's the idea. The idea is to make Hashem a partner in whatever we do. Uh, we have to make Hashem part of whatever we do. We have to bring Hashem into our life. And sometimes we have troubles in order to bring Hashem into our life. Uh, now, I want to tell you a true story. It's a really true, amazing story. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you're driving around Israel in the taxis, these taxi drivers are amazing because they're full of stories. So this taxi driver tells a story. <coughs> he said, you know, we went camping. You know, the Israelis, when they come out of the army, they go all over the world. I, I don't know how they do it. They're crazy. They just go all over the world. So you go to Africa and they're camping in the desert in the Africa the jungle, whatever. And one day the guy is comes out of his tent. He hears his friend screaming, Help, help, help! Comes out of the tent in the middle of the night. He sees his friend is encircled by a boa constrictor. I call, he's right around the guy. He's squeezing at me. He, help, help! He says, I can't help you. I can't help you. I can't do anything. Say Shema Yisrael quickly. He says, I don't know Shema Yisrael. teach Shema Yisrael Hashem. Again, the ball constrictor leaves the man and goes away. He said, you got to see my friend. Story? True story. So taxi driver says, you got to see my friend. He says, the most religious guy today. So I said, what, what about you? So it didn't happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> <an Israeli> <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Um, Rabbi Gross says this story. It's amazing. It's an amazing story. It's a, it's a wild story. Rabbi Gross says a story. And it's a true story because this guy came here and worked in Jerusalem, Pizza. He was, he was in the Israeli army Lebanon, in Lebanon, the second Lebanon war. And he says his unit was somehow got lost in the, in the valley in the, and the Hezbollah was surrounding them. The Hezbollah surrounded the unit and they sent, they were asked for reinforcements and helicopters, but it was foggy and they couldn't send anything. So they uh, don't know what to do. So he started praying. The whole, he tells his unit, he says, I'm religious, I want let's, let's all pray to God. There's no way to get out of here. We're going to die in this valley. We're surrounded by all the Hezbollah around us. So, uh, so, eventually, he says he sees a cloud cover them, and 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 it guided them all the way back. It was like uh, something out of this uh, other Torah. There's a cloud that came out of the the, the the big pile of cloud over there. A small cloud detaches itself and covers this unit, and somehow they manage to sneak back, come back into the Israeli. Power. He said it's a true story. And uh, so we see that there is Hashkah HaPratit. Sometimes a person prays to God and there's nothing else. And Hashem answers. So we have to uh, try and get to that level where, you know, uh, we may not actually get what we want, but it will feel better. It will make us feel better, it will make us feel more at home, we feel more peace. And, uh, and that's what happened. Jewish, Jewish uh, I remember my father, whenever he had troubles, he started saying to him. And he, he could see the change in the man before and after, before his word, and this and that, after after peace, at peace, and really, big difference, a very big difference. So we have to get to that level where we have God on our side. You have God on your side, if you connect with God, it really is a key to happiness, a massive key to happiness. And people don't realize that, they only get to that problem, where they have problems, and they get to that realization. Unfortunately, it's unfortunate, but it's better to get to that level at one time in one life, one's life. Person should get to life. At least they'll realize there is a God out there, a God who cares, our Father in Heaven, and the person wants to be happy. That's really the key. So let's just discuss what we talked about. Number one is we talked about this idea of satisfaction. And what really is, it's really one of the key circuits is to be satisfied with what you have, which is so hard today in America especially because you're exposed to all these advertising and I need this and I want this and I want this and I want this. I don't really need it, but I want it. So person has got to try and be happy with what they have and think about all the positives in their life. Make a list. I have this and I have this and I have this. I'm so lucky, really. I'm really Baruch Hashem. We're living better than more, 90% of the world population. We're living better than 90% of the world population. That's number one is to think what I have. Number two, what I don't have, sour grapes in their own. It was sour, it wasn't good for me, it caused me trouble. Plan A may not work out, plan B is better, whatever. Whatever happens in life you have to go along with, comes with little. What choices do we have? So now a person says, I regret this, and I regret this, and I regret this. Okay, keep on going. Is it going to make you happy? No, it's not going to make me happy. So with something spiritual, we have to do shiva. It's beautiful, Toshiba is great. Why? Because you do Toshiba and move on move on I did the shuvah now what so now I'm going to improve I'm going to be better now I can turn the page on the past it's, it's such a b- benefit of the idea of shuvah but to keep on harming harming on you know I was so rich and I lost all my money and I lost this and I lost this stop harping about it that's plan A plan A didn't work out plan B now work out but it's got to think of the future you can do it again you can do it again Yosef uh, was thrown into a pit twice and every time he got out he got better so that's Jewish life. Jewish history is, I can do it, I can do it again. We can do it again. With God's help, we'll rebuild, we'll retrench, we'll do this. Mm-hmm. Look how many times Jews moved in. How many times Jews lost their houses, lost their furniture, and lost everything in life, in, in history. And somehow they moved on and they, they made it back again. And they did it again, and they moved on again. So what is Hashem teaching us? Hashem is teaching us, this world is not the main world. And that's what we forget. Mm-hmm. We forget this idea, this world is not the main world. This is the world where everything we, have, we do counts, though, for the next world. This is the world of earning our reward. And we have to try our best. And we have to keep a perspective. This is not the main world. The next world is the main world. If Hashem wants to give us a leg from the table in the world to come, he can. But, <laughs> so you're going to listen. Short leg. Why don't short leg? Why don't short leg? Okay, so we're going to stop off of here. And Bezerat Hashem will increase our trust in God tomorrow morning. Tomorrow night is 8 o'clock. We have a class on trust in God, which is beautiful, really, there of Rabbi and Bakudah. And uh, next week, we're going to talk about developing a wide threshold of okayness. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.